everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Generally Speaking About the Church. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And my name is DG Holmes. We are here to expound wisdom to you on a weekly basis. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Defending the faith. No, I'm just kidding. I'll go too far on the wisdom part. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, today we got a great show. We're going to be talking about Christian music, tithing, splitting up groups, and so much more. Nice. DG, welcome to the new Thursdays here at GSPN. I know. We already have more people in the chat room. <laughs> yeah, this is what I, I had expected would happen is that, you know, like, well, exactly. <laughs> I, or hoped that would happen would be that, you know, moving all of our shows to one day and, and having a full day of live recording. That it would it would help do a lot of cross promoting of shows and uh, bringing out a, a, a larger live audience, which is very cool. Yeah, we want to let people who are listening live. Or first of all, for those of you on the podcast, we're still glad that you're there. Obviously, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Your your numbers are definitely uh, much larger than our live shows will ever be. <laughs> but um, that's great. Uh, and we want to let you know if you are interested. Our new schedule for the About the Church podcast is we are now recording live on. Thursday mornings at t- 10 a.m. Right. Thursdays instead of Tuesday. And I sent a tweet out on Tuesday just letting everyone know that, that was happening. So. Yeah. And I was here in the studio live and I had the chat room open. And so I, when people came in, I kind of just told them that as well. Well, I looked for it and it looked like only one person even showed up. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, that's because a lot of people had already had the announcement. Right. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We had did some other things, so it was good. And anyway, uh, we want to let you know, Thursday mornings, 10 a.m., you can join us live, gspn.tv slash live. And also want to let you know that it, the regular re- release schedule for this show, uh, this show will be released on Tuesdays. So it'll still be released on Tuesdays. It'll be earlier in the day on Tuesdays for you guys. But what we record today will be released the following Tuesday. So that's how things are going to work out in the the old schedule here. In the schedule? In the schedule. Isn't that what they say in English? It is. The schedule? The schedule. Shed- schedule. Exactly. The only reason I know that is because they say it's so much more sophisticated. It's that Harry Potter thing. There's no reason I watched the third time now, so I heard him say that. Well, I I watch a lot of British television, so schedule. Schedule. There you go. Thanks, Richard. (laughs) Exactly. We have an expert in the chat room. (laughs) Yes, schedule. All right. So anyway, we're going to start things off with our show notes. Here we have a call. Since we, you know, we've been begging for calls, right? You know, pleading, ah, call us. We yeah. actually have a call, and we're going to start things off with um, a question about breaking up groups. And okay. this is coming from John. So let's see what John has to say. Hey, Cliff. Hey, DG. This is John from Houston. I'm just calling for the About the Church podcast. Hey, I just had a question for you, kind of rattling in my head. We were talking today um, with some people from our Sunday school class. We joined a church here in Houston. Uh, not too long ago that we're really just enjoying the Sunday school class and everything. Well, the leaders were telling us today that you know, there's potential that uh, the class might be, uh, that something might be down the horizon. We, uh, we don't know yet. We're kind of just waiting around to see what happens. But I uh, just kind of wanted to get your um, your ideas, you know, DG, especially being a um, you know, current pastor, that uh, your ideas of Sunday school. So now our Sunday school, let me give you the breakdown. There's about 10 or 11 couples that are kind of in our age group and stuff like that, and they, we, we all just have wonderful fellowship, but um, I don't know the specifics of why they would want to, you know, break up the class if they, just, you know, wanted to, you know, go to those that are about to have kids and those that already have kids, or, or what would kind of be the uh, situation for a breakup, but I kind of wanted to speak to you, what was your 
your your thoughts on you know Sunday school classes and you know how you how you break up groups and you know at what time you know should you decide to to you know split apart a class or you know combine a class? Just kind of wanted to uh, work through that because that's kind of just rumbling in my head. Anyway, I hope you have a great day, guys, and I'll talk to you later. Thanks. All right, thank you so much for calling in your question, and yeah, um, he says especially for you, DG. So we'll we'll let you take your first stab at the at, at responding to this. <laughs> okay. What do you think about? Uh, first of all, let's just separate this from Sunday school because let's just call this small groups of Christians, whether it be a Sunday school class that meets Sunday mornings, sure. or it m- might be a small group in your church that 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 meets a different day of the week, uh, maybe even in your homes, or an organic gathering, if you will, that DG sure. leads in a public place uh, with a small group of people. So let, let's just well, go ahead and take out the word Sunday school out of this and just talk about... Well, I actually want to make one small comment on Sunday school real okay, quick. Okay, go ahead. One of the things that was really interesting to me uh, in one of my seminary classes was when uh, our professor was actually talking about church, and I, can't, I, can't, I'm, I really I feel so bad that I don't remember. This would be something I would have failed on the test. <laughs> I can't remember the actual date and the, and the time that was going on there, but um, I, I want to say in the 50s, maybe even earlier, uh, and maybe even a little bit later, I'm not sure, but uh, Sunday school was the highest attended aspect of church on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. It was not the worship service. And, I, and, I, and, and over time, we've actually made the worship service such a larger, larger event as far as numbers wise than Sunday school ever was. And I, and I, and I you know, I'm, I'm interested, number one, and this is kind of on the side uh, bit, you know, why do we change? How did that happen um, and what what do you think might have caused that to occur now? And we can talk about that at a different time. But I just think that's really, really interesting because Sunday school at one point in time was by far much more attended uh, than the actual worship service itself. And I think you'll still be able to find a few of the of the of the elders, the older, older people in the churches uh, that might possibly be able to remember that uh, when they were kids and stuff like that, too. But anyway, I just think that's really interesting um, that that attendance used to be a, a whole bunch more uh, well, let, effective. Instead of putting the conversation off till later, we can talk a little bit about it now. I, 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 I saw. I remember attending Sunday school when I was a kid and went to Sunday school all the time. And it was right around the time when I was in my teens that I started to see uh, the focus of small groups. Uh, being and when I talk about the sm- focus focus of uh, small groups, I'm talking about groups that met outside of the church building and also outside of uh, Sundays. Okay. And and you said that when you saw that when you were a kid. No, when I was a teenager. Teens. I okay. I really okay. and, and it wasn't it was it wasn't just my church. It was a lot of churches that I was aware of. Right. Okay. Uh, and and at that moment and at, at that time, we were attending Sunday school in the morning. We were attending the worship service, and we were also attending a, a small group setting. Right. And over time, I just saw more and more excitement and enthusiasm and more power to the people to, to discuss openly and freely rather than having a prescribed curriculum You know that, that one person, usually a, 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 an elder from the church or a teacher right. from the church – would sit down because it, I mean I remember some of the Sunday school classes that we had they were just horrible it was just like <laughs> it, you, you just don't understand it, it, you know it is kind of like that it was the, such a generational divide 
You know, it would be as if to, I mean, the only, this, this doesn't do it justice, but the only kind of, it would be as though maybe one of the elders from the church was leading a high school, um, uh, Sunday school class mm-hmm. and di- did an entire lesson on the, the, the evils of social networking. Right. You right. know, yeah, why, yeah, why, yeah. Cri- why we as Christians <laughs> should not be using Twitter. Right. You know, that that was the tight. As a matter of fact, I remember specifically Sunday school classes of why we shouldn't be listening to secular music. Right. And, right. and it's like, let's talk about real life. You know, let's talk about lust and pornography and let's talk about other issues that are very deep. Or God. And, or God. Heaven yeah. forbid. You know, but let, let's talk about. Well, and, and well, the thing is, is how does God fit? How does our faith in our relationship with God right. affected by all these real life day to day things right. that we are actually experiencing? Our right. issue right now isn't secular music. Our issue right now isn't it. it, it our issue is this. Right. Exactly. And yeah. we didn't never get that opportunity to just talk on at Sunday school. But in these small group sessions, they were so much more relaxed. And I felt like people could be themselves a little bit more. Yeah. I had just the exact opposite experience when I was a teenager in Sunday school. Sunday school was only about sex or dating or they would just pick, you know, angels. And I was just like, hey, I want to do Revelation. And they're like, let's talk about dating. Let's talk about angels. And so I think part of that. No, that's what I'm saying. That's that was that was my experience. Oh, that was your experience, too. Yeah. The Sunday school class. Right. Exactly. And I got so frustrated because I was actually wanting to get a little bit deeper in the word and things like that. And I didn't actually get to have that experience. And nothing against the people that were teaching Sunday school. I think honestly, I I think I scared them. They're like, well, I don't I don't think they felt like they knew the Bible well enough to be able to teach it. They just knew that they loved teens, that they loved kids, and they just wanted to be able to do what they possibly could to be able to help the t- kids grow up, you know, in a Christian way. And there's nothing I, I don't I don't I'm not gonna, I'm not blaming them for that or something like that, but I am kind of seeing that. That, you know, there was a hunger there, at least in my life, and I had to wait until college before I could actually really find some people that would be going pretty deep in the word with me. Now, that might be because I was Methodist. I don't know. <laughs> uh, there were, no, don't get me wrong. There was a lot of Methodists that knew the Bible really well. My father was one of them. But um, but I, anyway, I, I honestly think that the reason that we have kind of shifted away from Sunday school and then more towards the worship service, um, and, you know, and I'd be really interested, too, I, I think um, – I. I would love for someone to be able to to, to bring up maybe what was the equivalent of Sunday school when uh, the Christian church started, or even for, for the Israelites, for Jews. Well, I know you know, that did they I have re- anything I, like that, or did I, they just go to the temple, make the sacrifices? No, that, and come I, back, the, the Acts you know? twenty twenty. It talks and and it, all through the Book of Acts, it's all about. I have not hesitated to teach you publicly, but also from house to house, and uh, all you know, all the letters to the apostles. Hey, greetings to you and to you and the church that meets at your house. Right, and so, but I think that, I think the the thing of back then was you know their churches weren't very big, right? You know, there but their houses were pretty big. I mean, it's like a miniature hotel. Uh, back then, to be honest with you, I mean, it's like, you know, 20, 30 people in one household was pretty normal because you had, you know, you got grandparents, you got grandkids. I mean, you got everybody as well as servants and things like that involved in your house understanding. Uh, and so, but as far as like worship, like what we think of as a worship service, as opposed to what we think of as a small group, does that make sense? Like, did they only have a worship service aspect where you sat there and you worshiped God in that one moment, but didn't have any interaction? 
or was it such a small group anyway that you could have interaction even through, and I think this is the way that they read the Bible. They read the Bible back then publicly, and I think they had conversations around the Bible. I don't think it was just here's the reading and then here's one person telling you what they think the reading meant and said. I really do believe it was a communal understanding of that reading of the Bible. And so how did we get from that to what we have today of what we call a worship service, which I, and, and, and so I, th- I think honestly what, what, what did it or what helped it out was the church growth movement that, you know, the way that we measure success and I'm putting that with my finger quotes, <laughs> the way we measure success is to get the, how many people do we have coming to worship, accepting Christ um, and, and the worship service became that because then we started actually competing um, but, and at least in the West, I'm, I really am mainly talking about the West. Um, we wanted just the people to come. And so we had to, we had to create this time that people could really connect to. Uh, and, but it was just for that little one hour thing. And I think, you know, we lost the conversation. We lost the discussion aspect, which you were finding in Sunday school. I really do believe that you see that in Sunday school. Like if you go to the really, really like go to, go to a, a mainline denominational church, find the oldest age group Sunday school class. They are caring for for each other there, like like nobody's business. I mean, they 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 yes they do their Sunday school time and their Sunday school time is probably more like a lecture. It's more like you know a lecture kind of a thing. Um, at least it is in, in the churches that I that I've been to. But they go around and then they're serious about praying for one another. They're serious about taking care of one another. It's you know that that kind of an of an atmosphere is much more similar to what we're doing with organic gatherings and what I think a small group does than what you do with the typical worship service. Now I'm not saying the typical worship service is a bad thing. I'm just wondering, you know, how did all that stuff happen and do we need to bring in more conversation time? And I think the the result of the small groups is kind of that need people are going, I need that. I want yeah. that conversation. I want that discussion um a little bit less, you know, a little bit less uh, just lesson or sermon and a little bit more conversation and discussion. So. Right. I, I personally, you know, I, I definitely believe in the value of, of the conversation and the community and the, you know, the, the idea of, of getting together groups of people uh, at the same time for the purpose of, uh, you know, dive, diving deeper into a relationship with each other, but also for the for in the interest of expanding our knowledge and, and discussion about revolving around the Word of God, there is no question that 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 has definitely been something that's been at my heart level. And as far as uh, that was w- really the main decision on me leaving, um, you know, the traditional church model and and wanting to, you know, well for many years I I followed the pure cell church movement, right? Which is a, I mean it is a it is a movement and is called cell church and they are organized. Uh, within usually one to four or five different organizational charts, and this is how Cell Church is done, and it is it is the it is where there is an equal focus on the worship service, but also every member who gathers is not only expected to to show up to worship corporately together, but they function as a church within the church in these smaller groups. And that's kind of what happens, but it it's not usually on the church campus. It can be, but not usually. Right now, one of the things that one of the questions I have about, or one of the questions of having Sunday school, uh, is when you have you have to have a, a a place for these people to meet. So let's just say, like I, I used to attend this little church in Highland Heights, a little Nazarene church. 
And this church would seat about 120, maybe 150 people. Right. All right. That was the size of the of the sanctuary, the worship center. The rest of the the rest of the building was about the same size of that, only broken into classrooms. So because there was walls and dividers and furnitures, right. you know, <laughs> there you, you figured there were approximately four of and then, of course, offices and bathrooms. Right. Uh, sure, so there yeah. are about four or five spaces for rooms. And that was for the children. You know, and the, right. and the children took this. So right. the question is, is if the children's if the watching and caring for the children during the worship experience or worship service uh, celebration, if that took up the entire rest of the building, imagine what you would do. Number one, you'd have the children, but you'd also have all of those adults also attending a Sunday school thing event right prior to that. We're talking building project. Right. So it doesn't make sense to do something in a building. Is it the is it the wisest use of the space to build a campus for buildings that are going to be used for one hour per week right. prior exactly. to a worship service? Right, yeah. And so that's why I've always been a huge fan of churches, not with small groups, but a church that has a focus right. on small groups. It says, listen, you know, if you're coming here on Sundays or you're coming here whenever you worship, if you're coming here weekly to worship with us and this is your only connection here, you understand you are not experiencing life in this church because life in this church is very much this but it's also involvement in a small group and it's also involvement in serving our community. Right, sure. So to get the full flavor of the, the entire thing. Exactly. And the, but the thing is is uh, I think especially in in the current generations and generations in the future, at least this is what Barna is saying in the book Revelation, I mean, uh not Revelation, um Revolution. Um he's basically saying, well, a young couple like like my wife and I, we would we like the small group at your church, but we like the worship service in another church, and yet we like the children's ministries at the other church, and we like the youth ministries at the other church, and we're not going to go get the full flavor of your one church because we only like this aspect of it. And um, so anyway, I just I, I think that's it's interesting to be able to think about you know sure you know you've you 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 have this one vision, you have this one purpose for your church, but for them to really grasp exactly who you are. They really need to. They need to taste every aspect of it, and they're not even willing to taste those things. <laughs> you're like, oh no, you're missing. You're missing a part of it, and they're like, oh no, I'm not missing that because I'm getting it from over here. Yeah, yeah. I, we <laughs> we that'd def- be very frustrating for a lot of churches. Well, and, and it happened. I mean, it's just a reality. Uh, and, right. and even right. in even in Stephanie and I have been leading small group Bible studies in our home every single week since 1996. Right. I mean, without fail. Sure. And even right now, we're doing that for our, our local church, which, uh, you know, is Watermark. And we have a, a, a couple folks from our church, but we also have our great friend who um, meets with us on a weekly basis, and he attends another church. Yeah. On yeah. on the weekend. Now, you know, the the official stance of our local church is that we we usually try to sit down and, you know, discuss with those people why we think it's important that you not split your. But personally, you know, I, I, I understand that. Yeah, right. But unless you're going to twist my arm for me to enforce that, I'm not enforcing it. Right. You know, because I, I, I don't feel called to push our local congregation. I feel called to, to push the kingdom to push the kingdom and, and and it's not necessarily just that but it you know what i i just want if somebody wants to be in community with us 
I want them to be in community exactly, with yeah. us. <laughs> you know, but I, I understand, you know, it's like, but the, you know, the serving together, the same vision. I mean, I understand at, at, at a certain level, I understand it. It's just not something I've personally felt a conviction to, to enforce myself, right. you know, and if, if you, okay. and, and I've told my pastors, I said, I just want you to know, I've, I've got people that come to my, my group that that don't they're not going to be here to set up and help set up our, for our church they're not going right. to be here right. for for this event and this event and and stuff like that but they are they're here and they're very much a and they are being ministered to by our local church right right you sure. know and and i love that right okay well right, let's go back to the let's go back to the original question yes let's splitting, do that and splitting this you know if you have a small group or a sunday school in his case uh or house church you know you we will we'll, we'll, we'll widen it yeah, and um, I would like to say that I, I I probably have a little bit to add on this one as well as I used to be. Do, yeah. I used to be the pastor of small groups in a in a mega church. So, but uh, I th- I think it's a healthy thing not to split groups because we never split groups in in the cell church movement. <laughs> Splitting, dividing, and divorcing are all the same. Okay, so we're not divorcing <laughs> other Christians. Um, those and 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 I used to. Oh gosh, I used to be really a stickler on so much. Uh, you don't say divide, you don't say split, because those are negative. And it is very healthy to multiply your group to give birth to a new group. There right. and and we were very. I I was very intentional on the type of language that I would allow people to use when discussing taking one group. And forming it into something right. new. She knew that terminology matters. Yes, it includes it includes background and baggage. Yes, but when you say yeah, it's it's so funny in the Methodist Church, you don't get you don't get splits very often in the United Methodist Church because if you don't like the pastor, they're going to be moved because we're in the itinerant system, so you know we're constantly moving around. Right, and so you rarely ever get. I mean, they happen, but rarely do you ever get you know a split, a church split. Right, so it's really not you know. It's not a, a bad word around Methodists, but I went to another church that's really close to the church that we were at when I was first when I first got there, and I was looking into small groups, looking into house church kinds of stuff like that. And there's a church called I think it's called Grace. Um, I'm not positive about that, but uh, it's off a of Gunpowder Road. Anyway, oh, the Grace Fellowship. Grace Fellowship. That's right. And, yep. and so I went to their small group leaders meeting. They let me just sit in and, and get to you know get to see what they do and how they do it and things like that, which is is awesome. I really appreciated it. Um, and he was, and one person, you know, one of the guys like, well, I think we're so big, we need to split. And the guy was like, no, don't say those words. Yeah, we don't say that those was words. Me. That was me. I mean, <laughs> and, it wasn't me in that meeting, but that's yeah, right. who I and was. I, and I was like, well, what, what happened? Why are you freaking out? You know, and, and it You've just, never it been just, to a church split, exactly, have you? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, I've, because I don't, you know, Methodists don't have that issue very often. But anyway, so yeah, it's pretty funny. And, and, but that was, that was one of the points I was going to say is, you know, we would, we would, in the waters, I prefer the understanding of birthing, not because I'm scared of the term split, but I love the, the I love analogy. the imagery yes. of, of birthing that it is not easy, but it is it's, very it's it's, be, it's it's painful. It's very painful, but it is necessary and it is beautiful. Yes, it, it has the potential of being, and it, you can have a really ugly baby that's going to turn into a really beautiful person. Yep, yep. <laughs> so you know, I I think that I agree with you. I completely agree with you that th- then we prefer the term birthing and, and that you're always pregnant. You are always pregnant. Yep. 
you are always supposed to birth. We were never meant to be that's um, exactly holy it. huddles. Yes, um, we were never meant to just build the church building and stay there at all times. We were meant to be sent. We were, you know, we serve a sent God, and we are to be a sent people. Yeah, um, that is what mission means. And uh, and so so anyway, I just. I'm, you know, I'm right there. I exactly. Support what you just said. So, John, what what I will tell you, and let me just give you my experience, is that we would we would plan from day one of a new group. We would already be planning that within twelve to eighteen months, that group would multiply or would give birth to a new group. Right. So, twelve to eighteen months is how long a small group functions together as that that independent small group. And what we would do is is during that time, during the course of that time, we would be praying for God to rise up another leader within that group, an, an intern, if you will, that would take on and, and, and learn how to lead and care and shepherd a, a small group of people. And that by the end of you know that period of time, whether it be 12 to 18 months, then what would happen is, is that half the group or a portion of the group would go with the new leader and and a, an assistant leader with that person, and the other half would stay here. And I will tell you, it's never easy. In every single time you hear, well, I've spent so much time developing relationships with these people, and now we're tearing ourselves apart and, and all this stuff. It's like, no, that's not how it has to be. It, it, it's it's a really reality of how, that's, how it feels. Right. But uh, it, this isn't about just us. We don't meet here on a weekly basis. Uh, for our own benefit, to, to for what we get out of it, we meet here to mutually give to each other. You know, our presence here, when we share, this is what God's laid on my heart this week. It ministers to the to other people who benefit from that. And if we never multiply our group, if we never change things up, we'll we'll eventually get to the point where our group is not able to bring in new people. And a group that's not able to bring in a new people has lost sight of the original vision of what we set out as the vision for our groups. Now, I want to tell you that that I, I'm very big on that vision. And I will tell you that in the early days of uh, my my position as small group pastor, there I met one person who says, you know, I'm so glad that you're on board. And, and I remember this conversation. She says, I'm so glad you're on board as the small groups pastor. I think this is going to be really great, Cliff. You know, my mom's one of the members and one of the uh, founding members uh, and leaders of one of the first small groups here at this local church. And uh, she went on to tell me that, yeah, they've been meeting together. Her small group has been meeting together for the last eight years. And for the last eight years, it's been the same 12 people. Right. And I'm like, and I like, I didn't say anything. And I'm like, oh no, that that's horrible. And that's how I felt back then. But you know what? I've, I, I look back at that and, and knowing the things that I know now, that's not horrible. Hmm. It's not horrible. And, and, and I say that, and that's a complete paradigm shift in the way that I'm thinking, because what was the purpose of that group? Now that group had a different purpose and a different vision than the groups that, I was la- then the vision that I was laying out for the groups that I was starting, right? Which was the 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 goal and the main purpose was to grow community through multiplying small groups through throughout the church. Now their 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 group met together the same twelve people. Now I happened to over time meet those people and I saw those people and it was very much DG like the like the older Sunday school class that you were talking about mm-hmm. where these people are ministering to each other in ways that we can't even fathom. I mean the 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 amount of 
resources that were shared among them, amazing. The amount of transparency and open sure. dialogue sure. and the amount of service that this group did together was unparalleled. Right, sure, yeah. So so I, I've come to understand that there is not one just one model. Right. But exactly, yeah. I will tell you this that that group is still just one group. Right. And I have seen I have literally seen this and this is and sometimes I do exaggerate. I I'll, I confess that to you and admit to you now. <laughs> but I have seen single-handedly one small group turn in, one small group that was launched and that entire group was made up of six people who all at the end of 6 months were going to lead their own group. We were all going to multiply apart, right. and nobody was taking anybody with them. Right, right. At the end of that, we went from one small group to six, and from the end of that, we doubled within 12 months, and within the end of that, we doubled. Right, right, right. Now, you do the math on sure, that. Sure, yeah, yeah, you multiply. And, and you, you didn't, see... You didn't add, you multiply. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's very easy to see how if you... I don't know if, if I can find it real quick. Um, Paul Yonggi Cho. Paul... Yangi Yangi Cho. Let me see if I can find out some information. David Yangi Cho. Here we go. Welcome. Okay, full gospel. So if you go to um, English.fgtv.com, and that is welcome to full gospel television. I bet you that anything that this is their church. Full gospel tell. Uh, yeah, this is definitely it. Doctor David Yangi Cho, um, the largest church in the world has million this is a local church has millions of people who are members of this church okay millions of people all of them uh going to a central location to worship uh their church is like i don't know how many football stadiums big but worship is happening several worship services happening all the time throughout the different days of the week people they actually carpool by tour buses to the church to do worship, but they're all through. And is I think is it Seoul, Korea, if I'm not mistaken. But they actually their their living life together happens in cell groups in their geographic locations, and the, right. it right. The, it is it is structured as well organized, and um, it is is just amazing, right? So. Yeah. Exactly, have, and, but it's not the only way, and and that's right, the, sure, that's sure. the that's the big thing here. It's not the only way. So to answer your original question, I think that taking a group that has been existing for a while and changing things up a bit is can is and can be a very healthy thing. Uh, there were a couple reasons why we would uh, change things up. One is if there was a group that was just all of a sudden it just gone downhill. There, there are times when you it, it's time to do, um, you know, it, it's time to deliver that baby, you know, take it by cesarean or something. I, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, listen, things aren't going so healthy here. We need to take some action. Right. right, right. You know, and then there are some groups that have been together for a very long time and they've become kind of stagnant and apathetic and stuff like that. It might be time. But then there's just you got a healthy, vibrant group and, it, you know, it's time to just take that and let's multiply it out into two groups and 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 see if we can't carry on and bring in fresh new people the one thing is is that i think there's there's power in small numbers of people getting together oh sure you know what once you hit the 15 mark that's when you start to begin to lose intimacy yeah in, in a discussion yeah so did you have anything additional that you wanted to say on top yeah, of that? Yeah, I was actually going to answer it now. Go ahead. Um, 
Go right ahead there, DJ. <laughs> that was so funny. You were like, he's like, a specific DJ, and Cliff's like, oh, and he just goes with it. It's awesome. <laughs> hey, now. I'm trying. I was, no, you get, the, you get, the only problem the that I have with that, the only problem that I have with that is like I'm, I'm, I'm you're, you're bringing up all these great ideas. And I'm like I got to write this down. <laughs> I'm not going to be remembering everything I need to say. Uh, I, I think that it really depends on what, what's the purpose of the birthing. You know, what's the purpose of of the Sunday school class doing that? Is it is it truly just to be able to separate out people that have. Um, lifestyles that are similar like you know you have kids you don't have kids you are singles you're married or whatever else um and, and if that's the reason um then you know i i might actually have issues with that because i think there's beauty to be found in having diversity within a group i am very, um, all for multi-generational multi-gendered groups yeah multi-life multi-life stage groups i mean my wife and i don't have kids but i love being in a group with with parents uh, just because it, it, they have they have a different view of of the, of the scripture sometimes because they have the 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 history of being a parent and the life experiences of being a parent and so it can actually add a lot to the scripture um, uh, whatever we're reading to read it as a parent as opposed to read it as someone who's not, you know and someone who's not married as opposed to someone who is married and, and and things like that so anyway so but if I personally believe that every every Sunday school, every well, actually, I think every Christian should be doing this, and therefore it applies to every small group or every house church or whatever else. But you know, we are to be missional. We are to be sent. We are constantly, um, I believe, called by Christ to be developing relationships with with other people um, that are not a part of this group, especially people that have no community whatsoever. Right. And um, and if you are living your life that way. Um, then, then you you should be inviting other people to be a part of this group, mm-hmm. and eventually, it's just going to get. You're either going to run out of space, or you're going to not really have the kinds of conversations and discussions that you should be allowing everyone to participate in because you're just too big. I mean, right. you're just you just you've grown too big, and and I realize this might be in a perfect world, <laughs> but I think this is the world that we all should be striving for as Christians. Yep. And if we are living missionally, then every Sunday school class, every house church, every church in, in anywhere uh, should naturally be growing because you're developing relationships with people and then you're inviting those people to uh, uh, share in the experiences of the community that, that are, that's found there. Um, and we even have atheists and agnostics that are going to the organic gatherings because they actually appreciate the community. I mean, we've become family. In some cases, and actually in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. and, and we're just growing into that family. Now, here's the huge challenge is, yeah, we grew into a family and now you're telling me to birth. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what? <laughs> we ain't birthing no babies. Yeah, exactly. And yet we we do it with life all the time. We, we birth this child and then we raise this child and then this child goes to college or leaves or, you know, and, and, and yet... Uh, and yet we, you know, so we have it innately within our lives, but we don't have it within the life of the church. Something's, something's off there. Yeah. I think, um, now don't get me wrong. I, I think in a really healthy situation, maybe we should have less, uh, nursing homes in the world and invite parents back into the house and we care for them and love them. Um, because they cared for us and loved on us. You know, we were changing, they were changing our diapers. Why can't we change their diapers later on in life instead of just having some nurse do it for us? I, and that's a whole nother conversation for another time. But, but I think that honestly, the healthiest understanding, the reason we should be birthing is just because we've been living out our Christian life as, as missional beings. 
and that we're developing relationships with, with other people. And we want those people. I don't want to be able to look at someone that I'm developing a relationship with and say, no, you can't come to this. Because I want you to be able to share in the experience of the community and the love and yes. the grace. And the, and sometimes the sometimes the fighting that's involved, too. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. But I, I want them to share in that family-like atmosphere that that we've created. Now, in the organic gatherings, the reason we call it organic is because we want that birthing to happen naturally. We do not put any stipulations as far as a time limit of how how long you must go or cannot go before you have to birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we want that to happen naturally. But we put all of our emphasis on developing relationships with other people so that they're going to have to be forced to deal with the birth issue eventually. Yeah. And, um, and, and so that's, and, and that's, that's happened, you know, that's, that's the way it works, uh, with the organic gatherings that we do, uh, is we put our emphasis on developing relationships, not on the whole, you have to birth within so many, you know, months or years, whatever else. Right. Uh, and, and in that case, it's, it's not, it doesn't make my denomination happy sometimes <laughs> because they want to see numbers. Yeah. Um, and, and the only way that you can see numbers is to be birthing. And, and I, you know, and I just keep on telling them, Hey, we're putting our focus not on a program. We're putting it on people and we're putting it on relationships. And sometimes relationships take four years or 12 years. And some relationships take 15 months and, and five days. In some cases, some people hear this and they're like, I want to start my own. I got enough friends to do it. Let's do it. And I'm like, yeah, okay, absolutely. Do it. Exactly. So let's, let's encourage you and, and I'll give you the resources you need. And, and uh, let's, con- you know, always be in relationship with you and me. So you don't get discouraged and, 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 and go from there. So, so I, I don't know. I, I think that, and I think honestly, the other reason that, that I'm doing what I'm, what I'm doing. And I think, um, I really think that anytime you go o- over 12 in between 12 and 20, somewhere between there, it all depends on what your group is and who the people are making up, making up the group, but somewhere between 12 and 20, you're going to, you're going to not be able to provide an opportunity for everyone to join the conversation and discussion. Mm-hmm. Now, no question. And, and now, and now, and that is my emphasis of saying that there needs to be discussion and conversation. Now, if you're just going to do a Sunday school class where it's just a lecture, then yeah, you don't care about everyone being able to participate in it and you can have 40 or 50 or you can have, you know, 5,000. That's what typical worship services are. There is no conversation or discussion involved. So I I think that, that if the emphasis, and I think the emphasis should be if it is on conversation and discussion over the text and community, then, um, any somewhere between 12 and 20, you're going to have to birth. Yep. Um, just just to, to make sure that the experience for everyone is 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 an experience that's going to grow everybody and help everybody grow. Um, so anyway, that's that's my two cents on there. So very but cool. It's a great question. I mean, it, it is. is it is the it is the largest challenge question that and how do I and how do I develop leaders for the church plant that I'm doing the waters with the organic gatherings? Those are the two uh, the two issues that are the most difficult to address. Yep. Oh, and child care in your groups. Well, yeah, well, that's not that difficult to address, but yeah, some people no. want to make it a big deal. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> All right. So Mary's in our chat room and she says, birthing is okay. Uh, merging is not in my opinion. Our church is one of the, is one of our, let's see, at our church, one of our small group leaders left the church. Uh, rather than finding someone else to take over his group, the church elders just merged his group in with an existing group, creating a group of 50 plus members. I'm sorry, but that is not a small group. We found a Bible study group that was part of two churches to be a part of, uh, let's see here, instead, uh, and we wanted, uh, because we wanted to have a small group fellowship. 
Mary, I completely agree with you. Mm. Now, whether or not I, I, I'm not going to give you my thoughts on whether you know I'm not going to judge your decision to to find a different group elsewhere. But I, I definitely understand, and, and I definitely believe that you know if Stephanie and I were in a similar position, we would have to take measure because we know. And again, we've been in them since 1996. Every week, we know the power the of and the amazing part of our life that is our small community of people. Sure. I mean, I would not ever want to do life outside of community with a small group of people on a regular basis. Right. It, it's just I cannot imagine. It. And if you was and if I was in a member of you know 30 to 50 people or even more. That is not, I agree, that is not a small group. Yeah. And, uh, you know. And as far as the merging is concerned, I, I can't express to you the number of challenges that the United Methodist Church has had with all these small rural towns and their churches can't afford to even have the building, much less a local pastor. And so, you know, the Methodist Church comes in and says, okay, well, how about you, you church, you church, and you church that live literally five miles apart from one another? Why don't you just become one church and then we can actually you know, you could afford altogether to be able to have a pastor come out and it's just like ripping teeth apart because people have fallen in love with that building. They fall in love with, you know, yep. you, they think that the whole world is crumbling down around. Them. I've seen that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's just a, it's a huge, huge challenge to be able to do something like that. So. I want to say something here real quick. If you don't mind, DG, uh, you and I both have a significant number of listeners to this podcast who live in the Cincinnati slash Northern Kentucky area. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, some of those people who are listening to this podcast are listening to us simply because of of a relationship that was built or established and built through social networking. And and I would like to just open up an invitation to anybody who lives in the Cincinnati slash Northern Kentucky area. Uh, if you are not currently involved in a community uh, where you can ask questions about faith and stuff like that, uh, either contact DG about joining one of his organic gatherings not or sure contact me about coming and being a part of one of our small groups. Neither of us would be offended if you contacted one or the other. It doesn't matter to us. No. But if you're not experiencing community, this, the, a small living life together with a, a small group of other people mm-hmm. who are there to uh, to do life with you, I, I can't I can't can't say enough how much I would suggest getting involved in something oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. And if you are listening to this outside of this area, please find it. Oh please yeah. Please find it. Please. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, please find. I mean, life. To, with other people is the way that we were intended to live our Christian faith out, and and right. and I strongly encourage you to do that. And we we're actually uh, all the waters are actually feeding everyone at, at City Heights this Friday from like six o'clock till eight thirty whenever we run out of food. So if anybody right. actually just wants to come and just serve some people, you're more than welcome to do that too. That'd be great. Very cool. Well, hey, we are going to go to our next question. This comes from Brad, and he has a question about Christian music. Hey, Glitch, it's Brad Shippett over at BehindTheCameraTalk.com. I am calling with a uh, topic suggestion for about the church podcast. And basically, my wife and I were talking about um, Christian music and secular music and what place it has in your house and how to um, protect your kids and um, get every um, make sure you're not feeding them the wrong messages. Um, thought maybe this might be a good topic if you've had any experience with it. Uh, anyways, I'd love to hear you guys talk about it and look forward to your next broadcast. 
All right, Brad, thank you so much. Uh, we definitely will answer that. I just want to say real quickly that Stephanie and I are also going to play your message in Family from the Heart because I figured oh, cool. yeah. it would be great to hear DG and I discuss this, but also I'd love to give you Stephanie's uh, take on this as well. So uh, stay tuned to Family from the Heart. Episode number 68 is what episode number that will be. And uh, for those of you who are joining us live, that's going to be uh, recorded at noon today. Cool. All right, so DG, what are you thinking, man? Um, Only Jesus music for this household, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. That, tell I'm not tell that me, kind of tell me what you're thinking. Um, I, you know, I think that um, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with just Christian paraphernalia and stuff like that. It's just like, uh, and, and I, I love Professor A put in the chat room. It says, "When did the word Christian mean family friendly or safe?" It's just like, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, but um, I, I don't think, you know, uh, Mel Gibson was right that probably the cross and the crucifix of Christ was probably a rated R event. <laughs> it was not a family friendly <laughs> event, yet we've made it like, you know, everything is family friendly if you if you if you have Christian on to it. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that um, once again, I, I think it's and it's I think the underlying issue is exactly what you were talking about is. What is, how do we protect our kids understanding without hearing in that? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and now there's a lot of great Christian music that's very edifying and, and gets you excited and pumps you up and, or, you know, makes you cry and really touches your heart and, and encourages you and all kinds of stuff like that. And so I'm not, uh, I'm not dissing Christian music in any stretch of the imagination. Um, I am a little, personally, I am a little tired of it, to be honest with you. Um, uh, it's, it's almost like that it helped me through that that phase of my life. And yet now most of it, um, is still kind of surface level, uh, Christianity. There's not a whole bunch of depth to it. Uh, it's a lot of, um, emotion involved in it. And, uh, and and so I think I've just kind of, I personally just kind of moved on, um, from that. I'm not, and it still blesses me. It's still, I still listen to it. I don't not listen to it, but um, you guys aren't doing Bon Jovi on Sunday mornings. No, no, not that I know of. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I personally, I, th- I think I've just kind of changed and gone through a different period of my life where I'm listening to NPR now and not, you know, um, that. And, and, and I'm challenged by, you know, what's the world news going on today and, and how can I be able to live as a Christian within that? You know, stuff like that is what is how I – and, but, and but I also got really it? tired of Christian music whenever, like, they would give a newscast and it wasn't news. It was It was just – Christianity. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you, are you listening to music at all? What, yeah. What, what are you listening to? Who, who's your favorite band? Um, right now, like at here, this I'll, moment in time. Let me open up iTunes and I'll all tell right. you. Uh, it's, it's, um, I don't know how to pronounce it. Imogen Heap. Okay. Uh, it's Imogen or Imogen Hep. Okay. Um, I love, uh, I love Celtic music. So I listen to a lot of Celtic music. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I've got, uh, I got a little bit of jars of clay in there. Uh, Alexi Murdoch. I don't know if you've ever heard of Alexi Murdoch. He's a I've heard of the uh, name. He's a uh, weirdo Yankovic out of the Concords. <laughs> Just you know the the fray. Um, I got Chris Rice. I've got Annie Lennox. I mean, I just you know I'm a very eclectic kind of right. That's I'm all same, across the board same with me. Uh, Dave Matthews Band, uh, some stuff like that. So I just, but I, I don't necessarily. I think the issue here, and I think rightly so. And I'm not a parent yet, so I I can't I can't speak to that. Right. I really can't. I sh- well, I mean, I can attempt, but you don't listen to it as much. But I, I, you know, I think that there is a time where 
it, it reminds me of the whole uh, public school or private house, you know, private school debate or, uh, you know, anything else. It's like protecting your kids' issues. It's almost, it, I think it comes down to a parenting issue, honestly. It's mm-hmm. like if you have raised your child to be able to know the difference between what is right and what is wrong, then you don't have to necessarily protect them by by keeping them away from things. Yes. Uh, you can be able to uh, encourage and empower and equip them to be able to make those decisions on their own, which I think makes you a better parent. Personally, I've just seen so many Christians, uh, especially Christian parents that have grabbed their kids, huddled them in the house, only allowed them to listen to Christian music, only allowed them to watch um, the good shows on Nickelodeon um, you know, and the good shows on Disney or whatever else. And yet I, those are the kids. And trust me, this is the one part I do know. And we've talked about this before in the past. Those are the kids that go to college and completely yeah. <laughs> rebel. I yes. mean, they go off the deep end. Um, and, and it's, it's, and it's sad. It's sad that the parents never encourage them to be able to make their own decisions. And I really thank my father for that. I really thank my father for Allowing, you know, and he, and the, of course, the great way he did it was he was a judge. So he just basically said, what's against the law you can't do. Right. So don't watch any radar movies because you're not old enough to watch radar movie. You know, right. Uh, you know, those kinds of things. You can't drive yet. So don't drive. You can't drink yet. So don't drink. And, um, and yet, even in the midst of all that, I, I, I really found he gave me the ability to be able to listen to the spirit and listen to God and listen yes. to my own heart. That, that's the key right there. Uh, to be able to say, well, maybe that's not the best thing for me. Maybe that is yep. uh, not a good thing. And so as far as Christian music is and secular music is concerned, I think that's the same thing. Cause there's a lot of phenomenal secular music out there that touches me and, and at a gut level an emotional level, uh, just like Christian music does. Yep. And then I've found that I'm that without even realizing it, I, I kind of wake up and I was in worship when I'm listening to a secular song. Yep. Um, so anyway, I, I think that that's, a that's, that's my two cents. I Very know, cool. We're kind of going long on that one, but yeah. Uh, well, I, I would say that that's great. While you were talking, I noticed that Jonathan put in here, uh, they were having conversation. One of the things he says is that instead of you uh, protect in quotes, uh, let's focus more on how to best develop our, our children. Hmm. Uh, instead of stopping or preventing, we would be looking at causing, creating or developing. Uh, you know, definitely that's a, a valid point. Um, Professor Allen, I think, sums it up the best when he says the right answer to this question is I spend all my time listening to GSPN podcasts, so I don't listen to much music. Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, TG <laughs> didn't. I was like, was I was, well, I was no, I was reading this. So oh, I'm okay. sorry. I, was reading this. <laughs> I like that, Professor. A. No, seriously, um, for <laughs> Stephanie and I will definitely give you our opinion on this uh, because I mean, we'll do, I'll, I will just tell you, though that i love christian music um the the words you spoke about um uh about christian music about how you that was a stage in your life and kind of bored with it now uh that's exactly what country music is to me and it's like you know it, it, in my opinion it's a genre it's it's not necessarily mm-hmm. mean family fa- family friendly to me mm-hmm. but when i hear christian it is a genre and i have the an understanding when i hear christian it's going to be something that's tied to faith and you know something that that is more in line with you know thinking specifically about god which right. i think i can do that through secular i, I can think if, if the song's about a relationship 
and it makes me think about my relationship with my wife. Why can't that be a godly Christian thing? Although that's not the genre. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. so I, but when I, I do like Christian music, I don't like a lot of it. Right. Yeah. If, if anyone plays Butterfly Kisses for me. Oh gosh, that's horrible. I'm seriously. Gonna... I used, to, I liked it. I liked it the first week it came <laughs> exactly. out. Exactly. Like the first time I heard it, I was like, that's a cute song. Oh, but, no. hold, on, but hold on. I, I, I had a daughter at the time. Oh, so that so you, even a little bit you more. You listen to the words and and then listen to that and you imagine one day you're Or the, what's that Christmas shoes? Yeah, the Christmas uh, shoes is blah, whatever. <laughs> but but the but it's just, it's but just butterfly kisses tore me. me up when it first came out because right. it's like the thing, thought that my daughter's gonna grow up and get married one day and you know, and and yeah. So yeah, but I now just, I yeah. if I ever hear it again I'll I'll puke. <laughs> I really will, but you know, it, and that's that's the thing is just like, and I and I don't want to lump them all into butterfly no. kisses, of course not, but but like Derek Webb has put some stuff out there that I, I it's challenging, you know, it's it's really good and challenging things, I think that Christians need to hear a lot of times, and I think there's some other challenging things that that were in secular music, like yep. how people might look at a Christian and secular music that is really challenging and need to hear, you know, yeah. anyway. But I, I, there's, there's a lot of Christian music that I do like. I'll, there's a ton of it I despise. Um, but, and, and the same thing. I, you know, if, what am I listening to during the day? I love soundtracks from mu- movies. I think there, yeah. a lot of soundtracks are just beautiful. Um, the Annie Lennox song was from the end of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I love listening to musicals, uh, Broadway musicals, uh, Les Mis, Phantom, all that stuff. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that Tommy's rock opera. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I, I I love those kind of productions. I I love 60s, 70s, and 80s music. I, I'm a huge fan, and some of the most of the alternative 90s and grunge. And yeah. I like me the I, I like me some Nirvana. I like to listen to Queen saying, Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, you gonna come on out tonight? That's awesome. uh, the, the kind of stuff. Is it, do you know you, what song that is? No. Fat Bottom Girls. No, okay, no, I no. love that song. Hey, do, have you seen the trailer for? Um, oh gosh, it's like a beloved children's children's book where the wild things are. Yeah, we saw the preview for that when we went to the press screening for love, Harry Potter. I love the music in the in that trailer. If someone could find me what that song and that music is, I love that. Well, I'm sure it'll come out on the soundtrack, won't it? Yeah, I, I just don't know what it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anyway, so, but yeah, I, I I listen to a lot of secular music. Now, what do my children listen to? Uh, I, well, I can tell you. I've got their playlist right here because uh, they each have a playlist that we put stuff on. But I, I can just tell you off the top of my head, they listen to um, they listen to a lot of what we listen to as, as their parents. They, they, the stuff they hear is the stuff they end up liking because, well, they're exposed to that. Right. Now, they are exposed to some things that, that we didn't expose them to that, you know what, we do allow them to listen to. Um, my, my son was watching the Transformers 2 pre- promo, you know, tr- trailer over and over again. And well, guess what? You know, he, he found some songs like, what is it? Thir- 38 guns or 42 guns or something. I don't, know. I don't know. And he loves that song. And you know, will I forbid him to listen to it? Absolutely not. I'm not. When I, here's the deal. When I was a kid, um, you know, my parents weren't, you know, my parents didn't take me to church. I actually was sent to church that was that kind of deal when yeah, i grew sure, up sure sure so I, I went to church all the time when i was a kid i always went to church but my parents never took me and um you know my parents listened to secular music and they could care less what i listened to i remember as a young boy 
uh, how excited I was to get my Led Zeppelin, Zeppelin Stairway to Heaven album, you know, and, <laughs> and, and just, so I, I had secular music. It was no big deal. But I will tell you, when I started going to this Pentecostal church, I had a period in my life where they started to, to do Sunday school classes about Christ, about not oh, secular yeah. music. You throw away your CDs and bass masking. Yep. And so yeah. there was a period of time in my life where I got rid of all of my music. Right. And I would only listen to Southern gospel music. Right. Only Southern gospel. And I outgrew that phase and eventually, you know, started listening to secular music again. Then, even after I was married, uh, when Stephanie and I, or maybe Stephanie and I, yeah, no, we were just married, uh, got really serious about my faith again, and that was back when I felt called to ministry for the very first time, and um, I, I, I did the same thing. I dumped, like, maybe 150 CDs of secular music, dumped it all, and uh, and grew out of that phase over the course of about eight or nine months, and today i just you know i enjoy whatever pleases me at the moment and i do understand you know guarding your mind and renew it you know being renewed and 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 all those things but you know i i just don't have an issue with secular music i guess yeah and i think honestly another underlying issue here is holiness yes is holiness out of abundance or is it out of the opposite of abundance you know limitedness uh, that's it. That's it. and of course that's the 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 book kind of thing that I'm like, talking about with another friend of mine. So right. anyway, bye everybody. Love you guys. Yeah, we got 20 seconds left. I just want to say that uh, thank you to a special person who gave us some money a while back. Who says, hey, every week for a year, we want to remind you to pray for another church in your area that is not your own. And next week we'll talk about tithing. Tithing, yeah. <laughs>